This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Um, we're going to continue this teaching um, in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we've had a few teachings up to this, and we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And for the last few weeks, um, we've been specifically focusing on what we call the Beatitudes. So last week, I started my part of this teaching, and the title of this is The Expectation of Righteousness. So let's go ahead, and we're going to read um, just once again verses Matthew chapter 5. Verses uh, 1 through 12. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we're going to do a little review tonight, and then we're going to get into some new information. But for the review, we were looking at um, last week, we saw that this was Jesus' teaching. And we saw that this was Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God. Or the kingdom of heaven. So um, I know Minister Martin said this and I said this, that when we said the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, we're basically saying the same thing. And I want to give you a little background for this because I know sometimes people can get a little um, stuck on words. So um, when, when Minister Martin was teaching on this, he was telling you that Matthew's gospel was um, basically he was writing to the Jewish nation, the Jews. In their culture, they did not say the word God. And it's because they, they didn't want to accidentally take his name in vain. So when Matthew is writing, you'll see he'll say the kingdom of heaven, where you go to the other gospels, they're seeing, uh, they say the kingdom of God. So don't get it confused with, I guess, maybe colloquialisms, how you would say that. This is talking about, when we say kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, this is, this is what we're talking about. So Matthew is, is writing to his, his audience so that they don't get messed up about that, okay? And I don't want you to get messed up about that because we're talking about some things and, and maybe not tonight we're going to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I don't want you to get confused about the words that we use. So we are teaching about what Jesus is teaching about here. He's teaching to a multitude. In that multitude are his disciples. And he is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. It is so important that when we listen to this and when, when you're hearing these things that you realize he's not talking about the kingdom of this system. He's not the talking about this world system or the things that man has set up. He's talking about the things of God. The thing we have to remember is when the word of God is taught, there's an immediate need to hear, understand, trust, and respond to it. There's not 
a time where God is giving you his word just because. He's giving you his word for something. He's a purposeful God. So he's not just saying, let me just throw that out there. It's a reason that he's giving that to you, and you're supposed to do something with that. So the intent of this teaching is to explain what the believer can expect and what is expected of the believer. So we're going to look at Matthew 10 through 12. We started looking at uh, verse 10 last week, and we're going to see the state and the condition of the believer, the circumstances and situations that the believer can expect, and the expected character and behavior of the believer. And I told you that as we go through this, You'll be able to point those things out in the teaching. I won't specifically line them out or say, here it is. But you should be able to see where that is in the teaching. So we start off in verse 10. And we're gonna, I'm just going to read verse 10 again. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we looked at that word blessed. And we said we've been talking about blessed for a few weeks. So just as a review, blessed is fortunate, it's happy. Well off at the highest level, satisfied, complete, it's what's counted as yours, it's what you have going for you, it's spiritually prosperous. When we're in Christ, we're in, we are blessed. Blessed, being blessed is built into salvation. Being blessed is the state or the condition of the believer. So basically, what, what we're saying when we say these things, we're saying the same thing. Because when you have salvation... You are blessed. Once you, once you believe, and at that moment, once you're converted, once you have salvation, once you accept it and you have faith, you are blessed. You are in that blessed state. We're blessed. Here's the thing. If blessing is part of salvation, you don't get your salvation because of man or because of a circumstance or a situation. You get, that, you get salvation because God has given it to you. So blessing is because God has given it, not because man, or not because of our circumstances. So we started last week, and we started talking about persecution. And we talked about how most of the time when we look at persecution, we say that persecution for any reason is seen as a punishment or some type of punitive response to a wrongdoing. But we went over to 1 Peter chapter 4, we're not going to go there tonight, but just as a review... We went over to 1 Peter chapter 4 and we saw that all that live godly will suffer persecution. So believers will suffer persecution because we're in Christ and he, had per- and he will suffer persecution. But in that, we have to remember that our security, our peace, and comfort come from God. That even though our circumstances are contrary to what we think blessed is, you know, because we gotta, we, we see a whole lot of stuff and we hear a whole lot of stuff. You know, I heard this man today on TV and based on his lifestyle, he, he, he's not saved. But he was talking about all he had and he said, I'm blessed. But that's not what blessed is. Blessed is in salvation. So we don't find our comfort and peace in what we think it should be. We find our comfort and peace in God. Then we looked at verse 15, I believe, in First uh, Peter chapter uh, 4, and we realized and we said that persecution, we should not be persecuted or we shouldn't be suffering for evil's sake. Christians, as believers, we're persecuted because of righteousness' sake, but we're not going to be persecuted. We shouldn't be persecuted for doing wrongdoing. And we talked about we shouldn't be doing, having criminal activity, not murdering, not stealing, not doing those things that are against the law. And when we do those things, if we do those things, 
that there is there are repercussions for those actions. That you're not just going to get away scot free just because you say, "Oh, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer." No, if you go out and steal something, you're going to go to jail. Something is going to happen. So don't believe that just because you say it's righteous that you're you say you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. No, you've got to actually be righteous to be uh, persecuted for righteousness' sake. And we're going to talk about righteousness tonight. And in that scripture, we looked at that there was one thing is that murdering, stealing, and then we talked about those are like criminal activities that are against the law. But we also talked about um, socially criminal activities. And this is the evildoer, the busybody, those who are disrespecting and dishonoring other people. You're stirring up trouble. You just, and I think I said last week, acting a fool. You're just doing all stuff, all this stuff, and then you want to hide behind the fact that maybe you could say I was doing it because those people are wrong. So you go out and you do all this stuff, and then you, there are repercussions for it. I think last week I used the example of me going on like this old, this whole disrespectful, this uh, uh, dishonoring people, this rant, and then getting on social media, and then my boss finding out about it, and he said, "Hey, you said a whole lot of stuff that we just don't think." Is right. Well, I wasn't, if I did that, it wouldn't be righteous. That wouldn't be righteous. We're going to talk about that later on about why, you know, I'm trying not to jump to it, but I'm just going to talk about it. So, people who are believers, we are not racist, we are not hateful, we are not, um, I guess the best way to say it is we don't act on prejudices. And why don't we do that? Because we all, we realize where we came from. There are things that if you think back, you were not born saved. There were things that you, and you know what, even after you got saved, there were still some things that you were into that did not honor God. And if people who knew the word and preached the word and were who, the people that God gave for your life so that you could come out of those things, if they reacted to you the way that you react to other people who may be in some type of bondage, would you be where you are today? You know, our pastor said it, and I think it was probably a couple of years ago, we all have value. We all started out in the same place. So where you may say, well, I'm saying this, Sister Castile, because these people are wrong and they need to get out of that and they need to come and they need to repent. But there's a way that you say it. There's a time and there's a place for everything. What I'm, I'm not saying that you don't call out sin, but what I am saying is you don't condemn people. You don't put yourself in a position. Don't let your good, your good be spoken of evilly. Don't put yourself in that same boat. You know, remember that you're going to be, your motivation is going to be love. That's what our motivation is as a believer all the time. So we're not going to be out there being busybodies. We're not going to be spreading people's business like that. You hear somebody is in something, you're not posting it all over Facebook. You're not calling people, let's pray for so-and-so because I heard they got caught doing this, this, and this. No, you could pray for them without that. Without calling somebody. So we talked about that. And we talked about don't get caught up in this cancel culture. You know these cool little words and phrases that we use just to sound like, oh, we're in it. And now maybe somebody's not hanging out with you. They're not being your friend. or You, you know, you can't figure out why, why people unfriended me on Facebook. Nobody's doing this. It's because you're being disrespectful. 
This is not for righteousness. Say, look, check, check what you said and see if it's disrespectful. In that, I was saying we don't want to be hypocrites. We're, we're not looking to bring glory to ourselves. We're looking to bring glory to God. And if your lifestyle is not bringing glory to God, the things you say and the things you do, whether you say them with your mouth or you're posting them on your social media, then you're being a hypocrite. You don't have to try to be inflammatory and, and, oh, I'm going to put this out there and get people talking. You don't have to do that. The word of God draws. You don't have to try to be the thing that gets everybody talking. Then we went over to Second Peter chapter 3, and we're not going to go there. And we said that all that live godly would per- suffer persecution. And what was interesting was Paul was saying to Timothy, you've seen my lifestyle. He didn't just say, I'm going to suffer persecution. He said, Timothy, look back at what you've seen me live. Look at how you've seen me react. Look at the things you've seen me go through. But all that suffer God, uh, all that live godly would suffer persecution. And we said the definition of persecution is persecution is a description of harsh treatment. It is harassment and suffering which people and institutions, and I said institutions or groups of people, is not a building, it's not land, it is people. People persecute people. So uh, persecution is harassment and suffering which people and institutions inflict upon others for being different in their faith, worldview, culture, or race. Persecution seeks to intimidate, silence, punish, or even kill people. Forms of persecution may range from official widespread government programs to informal mistreatment of others. And it can come in a varying degree. Um, It can be executions and mob killings. It can also be just insults and uh, ostracism, pushing people out. And we said there's types of persecution. There's persecution by action. And this is, you know, hey, you can't be here. You you believe this, so no, you can't come to this. You can't be a part of this because you're a Christian or you do this or you do this. Also imprisonment, fines, being beaten, being killed. All of those are persecution by action. Then we have persecution of the tongue. That's persecution by words. So that's slander, to speak evil against falsely because someone's Christian character. It's to have bitter words against someone. It's using words to harass a person's character. It's trying to demean or bully a person using words. It's talking negatively to others about a person, making unsubstantiated claims about a person, their character, or their actions. So those are persecution of the tongue. So you're not necessarily going up and doing something to a person, but you are saying things about this person. Now, then we have persecution of the heart, and this is an inward hatred. This type of persecution starts long before any other type of persecution comes. And it's the root of all other types of persecution. So the thing about this, many people are guilty of persecution of the heart. They just haven't had the opportunity to persecute have persecution of the tongue or persecution by action. They just haven't been put in that place. But in their heart, they're allowing their thoughts to harass people because they're walking with God. So somebody else, when, when this happens, when you're having persecution in your heart, someone else's walk with God irritates you. So what you do is you have these harassing, demeaning, bullying thoughts about this specific person or people, maybe more than one. 
And we went over and we looked at Cain. We're not going to go there tonight, but we saw that Cain, he was upset with his brother. His brother, his brother, he and his brother both gave an offering. His brother's offering was accepted. His was not. And he even talked, God even talked to him about the offering. He had a chance to make it right, but instead of Cain making it right, he got attitude. He kept the attitude. It built up in his heart. He had some words with his brother. Probably weren't good words. He ends up killing his brother. So that unchecked persecution changed his attitude and it changed his actions towards his brother. And Cain's issue really wasn't with Abel, it was with God. So instead of dealing with that conviction, he said, I'm going to silence that conviction. So Abel's obedience was a living, breathing reminder to Cain that he wasn't meeting the standard of God. And Cain murdered his brother because he didn't want to be reminded of the standard of God. So the thing about it is Cain persecuted his brother, but it wasn't about his brother. It was about his offering not being accepted by God. So Cain, the persecution was against, the action was against his brother, but it was not about his brother personally. It was about his brother and his right standing with God. We talked about how sometimes persecution comes so that you will be distracted and you won't be fruitful in the kingdom. And we went over to Matthew and we won't do that. We won't go there tonight. But we have to realize that when we are persecuted, once again, it's, it's never, you know, we want it to be about us. You know, because everything's about us, right? We want it to be like this person doesn't like me or these things are happening to me because of this, this, and this. But what it's really doing is just to get you off track, to distract you, to pull you away from God so you cannot continue in the ways of God. Our, God, our lives are supposed to give glory to God. When we continue, even through persecution, we can give glory to God. So we have to let the word of God take root in our heart so that when things come up against us, that it doesn't push it out. Like, like when uh, persecution comes, that it doesn't dry that word up, it doesn't kill it. We let it bring forth the fruit. Let's go over to John chapter, thir- uh, excuse me, John chapter 3. So John chapter 3. And this is kind of, we're going to get into the new information now. So we have to remember that we need to stay focused on that which is eternal. The thing about it is, when persecution comes, like I said, it's not necessarily about you. People who are in darkness and want to stay in darkness, they don't want to see the light. So what it is, is about shutting out that light. So let's look at John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So what we have to realize, and this is just to back up, when when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, and we're going to talk about righteousness tonight, so hold on to this. You You are doing what God has called you to do. You are letting God's light shine through you. Those who are in darkness, wicked men, they don't want that. So they want to shut that light out. So wicked men hate God, therefore they hate those who are like him. They, hate, they don't want to be reformed. So what they have to do is they have to hate and persecute those whose behavior shows their wickedness. 
So people hate righteousness because it exposes their unrighteousness. If you got every if everybody's unrighteous, then we all look the same. We may have all different flavors of unrighteousness, but nobody if nobody's righteous, there's no nobody knows what to compare it to. But when righteousness comes in, when the light comes in, now it's something different. And those who want to say I'm righteous but they are unrighteous can no longer say that because now the standard is there. So like if you had never seen the color, I'll use, I'll use black. If you'd never, my pants are black. So if you'd never seen the color black before and I had, I'll use, and I had a whole bunch of gray stuff and I said, well, that's black. You say, okay, you've never seen black before. And then somebody comes in and shows you black. They're like, here's black. And you're like, no, that, that right there is black. I, they point, you point to the gray. And you're like, no, this is black. Now, if I want you to continue to believe that that gray is black, I've got to move that person to telling you the truth out. That's the, that's the way righteousness and unrighteousness are. Now, if I want you to believe that I'm righteous, I'm going to try to, and I'm unrighteous, I'm going to try to make sure that you never see what true righteousness is. And that, that's the reason of persecution is to distract you. So, you know, you see, you see it a lot. If people are preaching, it, uh, so here it is. I was thinking about this. Because tonight we're going to talk about righteousness and it's going to sound like I'm just preaching salvation. And I am. Because righteousness is a part of salvation. But if I don't want you to know that righteousness is part of your salvation... I'm going to get you caught up with everything else. So if I can distract you from what the real thing is, you'll never understand it and you'll never grab a hold of it. So, so let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get into righteousness. So we have to remember, so when the light shines through, it exposes the unrighteousness. So in this scripture, in verse, um, in in verse 10, it talks about being persecuted for righteousness sake. When we looked at the definition of persecution, it was a lot of reasons that you could be persecuted. There are a lot of reasons you could be persecuted. Not all persecution is for righteousness sake. So you can say you're doing righteous, but your motivation has to be righteousness. So just because something unpleasant is happening to you doesn't mean you're suffering persecution for righteousness sake. So to understand righteous, righteousness sake, you have to understand what righteousness is. Let's go over to Romans chapter 3. Excuse me, Romans chapter 10. So Romans chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So, in this scripture, they, is talking about the children of Israel here, but they are ignorant of God's righteousness. So the thing about ignorance is it's not that you can't find that out. It's just that you, you, you're ignoring it. They're ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So there's God's righteousness and then there's our own righteousness. Righteousness 
is defined by God. Righteousness is not man's standard. And it cannot be defined or established by man or by men or by people, however you want to say that. Man's version of righteousness is worthless and God doesn't accept it. So there it is. There's the righteousness of God and there is what we want to call the righteousness of man. There are our works. Our righteousness, man's righteousness, is worthless. It is not true righteousness. Go over to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to go to some scriptures tonight, so it's Bible study, so you'll, you'll be okay. So Philippians chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself to have I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus so we're looking at this and once again this is Paul talking and he's saying he once depended on certain things And he thought that made him righteous. Like if you were to go and read the uh, previous verses, he talked about his pedigree, all the things he knew, all the, the status that he had. And he said, all of that stuff, I throw that away. That is not righteousness. He went, so what Paul did was he said, I don't want man's way of righteousness. I want God's way of righteousness. And God's way of righteousness depends on faith in Jesus Christ. Not all the things that can make me righteous. So we look over there in verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. We have righteousness because we have faith in Christ. It's not what we're doing that we, have, that we gain righteousness. True, genuine righteousness comes through faith in Christ. It's not self-achieved. And we have to, the thing about it is later on as we go through this, it's going to almost sound like I'm saying something different. But understand, you cannot, in and of yourself, be righteous. Anything that you do out of your own, out of your own-ness, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm doing this and it's good. Uh, Minister Hill talked about that. Those are dead works. Those are things you produce. 
In order to be alive, in order to produce righteous works, you have to be made righteous. You are made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. So it is, I was talking about there are two lines. There's righteous and there's unrighteous. If you are in the unrighteous line, you need to be made righteous and put into the righteous line so that you can produce righteous works. Self-righteousness, that means what I do, I am depending on myself to make me righteous. And think about that. Self-righteousness means I'm depending on me to make me righteous, to make me right with God. That's what self-righteousness is. It's dependent on my works and what I can accomplish, what I can adhere to, what I can do. You know, you think about it, oh, you know, uh, the, the scripture where the guy go, comes in, he says, you know, I fast do, I fast three times a week, I do all this and I do all that. And he was like, this is what I do. But that doesn't make you righteous. It just makes you doing all those things. It may look good, but in your heart, there's, there's not righteousness. Self-righteousness always comes up short. So when you think about it, yeah, it does. That's why we needed a Savior. If you could make yourself righteous, you righteous, you wouldn't need Christ. So true righteousness comes from, comes from trust in Christ. When I have faith in Christ and what he has done, I let go of my inferior way. And a lot of times what happens is, when we are saved, at that moment, in the beginning, we realize that we are letting go of an inferior way. And we say, God, I need you. I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus. I trust him. I have faith. And we start going. And we, we accept salvation and we realize that our way was inferior. And as we continue and as we learn, we somehow forget what got us in. And we let go of those things and we start picking up our self-righteousness. We start looking at all the things that we do or all the ways that we act. I do this. I do that. And I don't do this. So that makes me right. And that person does this. So they cannot be righteous. And that's not how it is. Your righteousness always comes from Christ. You have to continue to believe and to trust. Now, we're going to get into what that believing and that trusting produces. But what you have to realize, you're not going to start off in Christ and finish this walk outside of him. You're going to stay in Christ because that's where righteousness is. You cannot have righteousness if you do not have Christ. So, I can no longer depend on my dead works. And this is a consistent process for the believer. Like I said, it's not something you're going to drop. You're not going to start depending on what you do when you depended on Christ to get you there. So we've not attained, so we continue to press. It's not something where, you know, we don't just sit up, oh, you know, I'm saved now. I've been saved this many years. I know this many scriptures. I do all these things. You know, you got the checkbox. I tithe. I give. I come to prayer. I do this. I do that. Okay, God, I'm just going to kick my feet up. I'm good. No, we continue to press. That's not what we do. We continue. We don't let the work of, of God in our life stop. We don't stagnate it. It seems like sometimes we get confused about what righteousness is. But God's not confused about righteousness. 
So, you know what? We should get our answer from God. So we shouldn't be confused. So God is righteous. End of story. Like, if you go look up righteous, righteousness and righteous, like I was, as I was studying this out, it was talking about, um, it's actually like a measurement or a standard that they use, like a read, and it was how they would measure certain things to make sure it was straight. And they said, and that's what they would call righteous. And you know what? God is that standard. He is righteous. So we don't have to worry about what righteous is. God is righteous. We want to know what God is? We want to know what righteousness is? Let's ask God. So God is righteous. When he created us, he created us to be like him, to have his character. And that's what we mean when we say be like him, in his image, his character. We're not God. We can't call things into existence. Get out of all of those thinkings. Think about character in this. So we were created to be like him and have fellowship with him. So when Adam sinned, all that got messed up. But God, because he loved us so, he said, I'm going to put them back into a position where they can have fellowship with me again. I'm going to put them in right standing with with me again. So he got us out of the mess we were in and he restored us through Jesus Christ. So now, before, we could not, so God created us to to be righteous, to to have fellowship with him, to have character like him. When Adam sinned, Adam, remember we got the two lines, we got righteous and unrighteous. When Adam sinned, we got out of the righteous line and got stuck into the unrighteous line. So, remember, our works can't get us back over there. So what, what God did was he created a way to pick us up and put us back in that line. So let's go over to Romans chapter 3. I know some of you are saying, you know, this is this is like review. It is kind of review for some stuff that people you've heard before. But the thing about it is, you have to understand this because you don't want to you don't want to miss one part of this and then mess up the whole thing. You you have to, as believers, we have to know what we believe, and it's so easy to get pulled out of true righteousness and get into self righteousness. It's so easy to get caught up with things and believing that because something looks a certain way, that it is, it is, it is what it's, what it's trying to be. What, what I'm saying here, and I'm trying to say it, you don't want to be fooled and tricked. You don't want to be deceived. There's a time coming, the Bible says that even the elect will be deceived. You don't want to be deceived. You have to know, you have to have an understanding of what you believe. You have to understand how righteousness works in and through your life. You can't just come in and say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the Ten Commandments. And maybe you, maybe you, you don't do them, but maybe you can tell people you do them. Or somebody can come in and say, well, I follow all these Ten Commandments. And you're like, oh, well, look at this. And people are being mean to him or her because they don't lie. They don't do this and da-da-da-da. And 
you don't realize that they're not bearing the fruit of a believer. So now you've been fooled and tricked and you've been pulled off, off course. So what you have to understand is you, you have to understand what God is doing and how God does things. You can't just look at what people are telling you. You've got to be able to get down into this and understand what God wants you to understand. So let's go over to Romans chapter 3. I'm really, really, I know I may be taking a, a seems like a long way to get somewhere, but we're going to get there. So Romans chapter 3, we're going to read verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So we're looking at this and we're seeing here that in verse 21 it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law has been made manifest. And what it's saying is God has brought in righteousness and it is without the law. The law is not in this. And this is by faith. In Jesus Christ. So our righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a characteristic of God and is freely given to sinful man through Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a declaration of God. It's a gift of God. And it's an act of Christ. So righteousness is a declaration of God. It's a gift of God, and it's an act of Christ. And the process of becoming righteous must be vigorously and steadfastly pursued. So, those first three things, it's a declaration of God, it's a gift of God, it's an act of Christ. Those are independent of us as individuals, as people. We we don't have any part in that. God does that. It comes through Christ. But our part is that we steadfastly and vigorously pursue what God has given us. Freely given us. That means that it is there. It is, it is available to everyone. He is not, we see it, it says, we've all, we could all have this. And we've all uh, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not like any of us have a, um, an upper hand. So as believers, we believe that God has done this for us. So we continue, we steadfastly and vigorously. That means that we go for it hard. We go and we chase after righteousness. Go over to Galatians chapter 3.
So Galatians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 6 through 14. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham? And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all, the nation, shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of, be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are, at, excuse me, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, here we have Abraham. And Abraham was, righteousness was counted to him because of his faith. So Abraham's faith in God and his ability to perform what he had promised was accepted by God as righteousness. So he was justified. So here we have Abraham. Abraham, once again, we're going to put him in the right now before he was in the unrighteous category. But he had faith. He believed. And because of that, God said, you know what? Because you believe, because you have faith, I'm going to pick you up and put you in the righteous category. So those who believe, have faith like Abraham believed, they are declared righteous by faith. It's through Jesus Christ that we are made righteous and not of any law or any works. And that's what that was saying down in those scriptures. So God, what he has done is, you know, God is, he is amazing. You know, you think about things um, and, you know, like you try to do something, you know, like let's say you're going to make something. You're going you're gonna to cook something. And you think you write, get the recipe, you get all the ingredients. And, you know, you're like, oh, well, it, it costs a salt, it costs a pepper. I got that at home. And then you get home and you're like, oh, I don't have that. Because, you know, we have finite minds. We don't think everything through. But God is infinite. And, and what he does, he does. He's like, I, look, I got it all covered. So when God gives you righteousness, he doesn't leave anything uncovered. So anywhere that, that somebody could say, no, there's unrighteous, God says, wait a minute, I got you. That's covered. And what I mean by that, so God has declared us righteous through the work of Christ. So, in this, God declares, he makes a declaration. And he says, you know what, that person has faith in Jesus Christ, they are righteous. Somebody else comes up and says, no, 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 they're unrighteous. Because they are, and God says, they are righteous. He said, he declares it, and he's the judge. He makes the final decision. Then he freely gives us righteousness through the work of Christ. 
where there was sin on our account, where we had a debt that we could not pay, guess what? Through the work of Jesus Christ, that's canceled. He imputes, he gives us righteousness. He places it on our account. So that debt that we owed, we don't owe anymore. Then, remember when I talked about earlier, we said God created us for fellowship, but our sin broke that fellowship. He said, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore that fellowship. I'm going to restore that fellowship so you can have fellowship with me. So these are all great things, and these are things that God does for us so that we can be righteous. And then there's another one that he does. And he provides the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that produces righteousness. So this this is where we're going to. This is the convergence. So now you see what I was bringing to you, all of the stuff that I was telling you earlier, was to bring you to this what we call ethical righteousness. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in man to produce righteousness. So you can't separate the aspects of righteousness. You cannot say, God, I, I am down with you giving me righteousness, declaring me righteous, so uh, there's no accuser of the brethren. Somebody come up saying, I'm guilty. You say, God, no, I'm righteous. You want that. You want righteousness on your account because you can't pay that debt. You want fellowship with God. You can't say, I want those three, but God, I don't necessarily want to produce righteous works. You, it's all or nothing. And you know what? All of this is part of salvation. We've gotten it very confused and very muddled up when we look over here, when we look at the Beatitudes and we see those characteristics of the believer. We think, can people really do that? Yes, people can do that because they are a part of the kingdom. They have accepted salvation and they are allowing salvation to work in and through them. So the thing about it is this righteousness It's available to everybody, and it's included in salvation. So the only reason you're not walking in salvation is because in righteousness is because you're you're not having an appropriate response. So righteousness is a covenantal, reciprocal action between God and man. It's based on the character of God, the work of Christ, and the enabling of the Spirit. To each individual, individual must personally and continually respond appropriately. So, it's, it's, it's a covenantal, so it, it, there are different parties involved. And it's mankind and, and man individually and God. And it's based on the character of God. It's based on the work of Christ and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. So, the thing about it is, the hard part has already been done. Now all you have to do is respond the appropriate way. Everything you need to be righteous is already there, but how do you respond to it? Do you say, God, I don't necessarily want that because I don't want to give up doing what I'm doing. So when when the light comes in and says, no, you know what, you're a peacemaker. And you want to, you want to, you want to not be a peacemaker. No, that, that's righteousness. That's the work of righteousness in your life. Salvation produces righteousness. God has done his part. 
So he's provided everything we need. So now as a believer, I have to do my part. So what is my part? I have to agree with the word. I have to obey the word. And I have to submit to God's authority. And those are things... Those are not things, those are things you're going to do internally, but externally it's going to produce some action. So I can't sit up here and say that I'm a believer, but I can't love my neighbor. That, no, no. You have salvation. You should be able to love your neighbor. If you can't love your neighbor, then there's a response. You're not having the right response. Remember I told you there's, there's something you can expect. And then there's something expected of you. So when we look at the character and the integrity described in the Beatitudes, we look at it and we say, can, can we really do this? And some of them you're like, yeah, I, I, can, I, can, I can do maybe one or two of those every other day, God. But if you're depending on your own righteousness, you can't. The, 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 the person who's not saved... They may be able to look up, look up on some of those things. Somebody who's saved, but they're not walking in everything they're, not, they're supposed to walk in. They're not in the will of God. They're not going to be able to do those things. But those who are submitted to God, obeying his word, submitted to his authority, you can produce those righteous acts. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I look back at this and you know, like so many times you look at, when we look at the Beatitudes, it's been taught a certain way or it's been looked at as if only special people can do this. And that's not, you know what, special people can do it because God has made us special. And anybody who decides that they want to be special and have faith in Jesus Christ and believe, then they can do this. This is not, and I don't know why people do it. I don't know if it's to make themselves feel better or just to give people an out because they don't want to deal with people looking you know, they don't want to deal with persecution for righteousness sake. But there, you know, there are not classes of believers. You know, there's not like the, um, the, what do they, what do they call it in high school? There's not like the AP, the advanced placement believer, and the remedial. The sp- no. The power of God is the power of God. The only thing that's stopping the power of God from working in you is you. So don't don't get into it. Well, oh, only these people can do that. Oh, here, here's a good one. I'm just a teenager. I can't have that. I can't have that character. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is a teenage Holy Spirit. I don't think so. The Holy Spirit it, it's the same Spirit. It's what unites us. So we cannot sit here and try to get out of doing the will of God and having His character by saying that it's not for everybody. The character that God has established for us and expects for us as believers, it's available to us. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before, hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, I was telling you that we're going to talk about how the righteousness works itself out. 
So the righteousness, it starts on the inside, but it works itself out through our actions. So when we look over in the Beatitudes and it tells you what you can be, that you can be, merc- you can be merciful, you can be pure in heart, those things are because righteousness is in you. And you know what? God created you to do those good works. And remember, it's by grace are you saved. So here it is. You're saved by grace, and that grace is going to keep working through you to produce those good works. So I can't live out my version of righteousness. The righteousness is from God. So salvation does not produce unsaved works. So what is not of God should not should not be produced in your life when you're saved. Those who are righteous understand what God has done for them. They understand grace. And I'm not saying you have all the words, but you understand that God picked you up out of the unrighteous line and for no reason of yourself, because you had no you could do nothing of your own and put you in the righteous line. And you realize all God has kept you through. That's the thing that we think about. And the thing about it is, when you think about those things, it gives you a different appreciation. Not only does it give you appreciation, but it gives you a different view on things. You start to see things a little differently. And the way your reactions start to change, once again, not because you're so good, but because God is so good. And the thing about that is, now not only are you like, man, this is great, thank you God for all you've done, but you realize, wait a minute, the same way I was in that unrighteous line, there are other people in that unrighteous line, and I want them over into this righteous line. So what I'm going to do, now I'm living in a way to show them, and not because I want to show them, but just I just want them to see God in me. Because God is so good, I'm like, I just, I just need that to happen. So when we are in righteousness, we're not doing things for ourselves, we're doing things to honor God. And not because, not because of self-motivation. We are not trying to be moral. We've been hearing about that. We're not trying to uh, be legal. We're not trying to um, figure out a way we can get things done and do what we want to do and uphold ourselves. But we just, we just want to submit to God. That's what righteousness is. It's submitting to God. It's obeying God. So true righteousness is not about self-vindication uh, or self-justification. It's not about that moral standard. It keeps telling you it's not about works. But it will produce something in your life. Because the thing about it, whatever is in your heart, we talked about this with the heart persecution. If you're persecuting somebody in your heart, as soon as you get the chance to persecute them in actions or in words, you're going to do it. If you're submitted to God in your heart, As soon as you get the chance to submit to him in your actions, as soon as you get the chance to submit to him in your word, in your lifestyle, you're going to do that. So it's not about all these other things. It's just about God. So we not only have to be counted as righteous, we are to become righteous and we are to do, we're to do, be right and we are to do right. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6.
So we're going to look at verse 9. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So here we go again. Before the righteous, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of God. But know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, righteousness will cause me to come away from some things. There are some things that I won't do anymore, not because I'm so great, because righteousness is working in my life. And see, that's the thing. When righteousness is working in your life, that's when people are going to see a difference. That's when they're going to say something different about that person. So go back to the example I used with the gray and the blue. If, excuse me, gray and the black. If I'm telling you that gray is black and you've never seen black before, then you can, you'll believe that. But as soon as that black comes in and says, no, this is black, now you have to say, well, that's different. And it's going to cause you to look. If all your life you're going to say, well, that's different. That's different. And you may start questioning that person that's, that said, that's great. You'll start changing your lifestyle. You may start talking to, hey, what's going on? So now there's where you see when, you're, when, you're, when the righteousness of God is working itself out in your life, that's when the difference is going to be seen. That's when those who, we go back to Cain. So Abel, he was letting the righteousness of God work itself out in his life so he could give an offering that was acceptable to God. Whereas Cain said, I don't want to do that. God, I I don't feel like that right now. I'm just going to stop it right here. So when he saw that, that's when the persecution came. Once again, it's just like people are going to see something different in your life and in your lifestyle, how you live, how you respond to things. And that comes into the next part of that verse. So let's go over to, um, well, I'm almost out of time, but we're going to read this and kind of go into um, the next part of this. So um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here it is. So you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom is marked by dominion. A kingdom is a place where someone has rule or governance. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is marked by God's dominion. It's marked by his rule and his governance. So as believers, we, once again, we've been placed on, we're going to get into this next week, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear, dear son. So we have a different view of things. Now, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, it's, it's kind of, um, it has a duality, I guess, what you say. It is present day, but it also is to come. So here we are now, And we're living under the king's dominion. And when I say the king, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God here. We're living under his dominion, but we're here in this earth. And there's a time coming where 
that's going to be different. But right now, even though we are here in this place, we live by and are governed by the rules and the standards of God. So you can see now, hopefully, if not, we're going to tie this in next week. You can see how righteousness, righteousness is part of the kingdom of God. So our righteousness is here now. We're not waiting for the last day when Jesus returns to have that righteousness consummated. It should be right now. So as believers, we have the kingdom of God because we live by his standard and by his way. We look at things, we look at this world by God's view. Things that we see, things that are going on, we're not necessarily taking at the value that we see it. We're going to God and say, God, what is this? We're letting God order our steps. We're doing things according to his will and his purpose. Once again, we're submitting to his authority in our lives. And we're going to finish, we're going to get into that next week. So um, I'm out of time for this week. But once again, we're going to pick up next week with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. God is faithful. God is faithful. And, and you know... We'll, we'll, we'll do some review of righteousness next week, but, but take some time and think about that because as I was studying it out, it just, it seems so simple when you start looking at it and you start, when you just start putting things together that, hey, we're supposed to be righteous. As believers, we're supposed to live righteous lives, but somehow, and, and it's the enemy, that's been, that's been pulled out. You know, you can be a believer and do anything. I'm a Christian. That you know that that's thrown around, and and now it's so much confusion. But we see what the Word of God says, and as believers, those who believe God, those who follow God, we we should know what what we should be. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.